Thanks, Pastor John. And also, guys, if, if money is an issue, let Pastor Chase know. Okay, if, you, if your kid wants to go, say student, let us know because there's, we have a fund set up. So if that's a problem, because uh, it will, it will change their life. Amen. I, I got resaved in camp when I was 13 because the guy preached on hell. I grew up in church and I love Jesus, but that scared it out of me. And I was like, I am going to alter and make sure that I knew. And, and God did something in my life. So, hey, kids, you guys can be dismissed first or sixth grade uh, out the door. And uh, your leader will meet you right there, Mr. Louie. Are you doing Samson today, bro? No, that's, next that's next week. He's got this plan for Samson that I'm so excited about. His wife is going to be involved in a pair of scissors. So it should be very interesting. Uh, for Louis doing our kids' ministries. But he was, hey, I want to start off with just saying, I am proud to be an American. Amen. I am proud of our country, proud of our, our, our law enforcement and our soldiers and uh, those of you who have served and are serving. Um, I am unashamedly conservative. You need to know that because if you're going to come to this church and follow me, you need to know where I stand on stuff. Um, my family has a deep history of military from you know, World War II to Korea to Vietnam to Iraq to Afghanistan. Uh, to current thing. I have a lot of law enforcement in my family. So I am, I am unashamedly conservative. I'm unashamedly a Jesus follower. I'm unashamedly believe what the Bible says. I try to avoid politics, but I try to be biblical. Amen. So if you, if you're coming to this church, you need to know I'm a redneck. I come from a town of 400 people in the middle of dark woods. I did not choose ministry. It chose me. I wanted to be a mechanic because I like to be by myself a lot. Um, but uh, yesterday we had uh, Cameron who's getting, he got accepted to officer candidate school and he's leaving sometime this week, um, become a naval aviator and we're kind of cool. I'm hoping like F-15s, f eighteen, so he can do F-18, right? Because then we can do free flyovers for church, right? I mean, I pay taxes for that plane, so you will fly it over our town with the afterburners on. So we're, I got high hopes. Um, and maybe some overwatch protection here and there when we need it. Um, but uh, anyhow, I, I, I love our country. I love what our country stands for. And, and I would just warn you, don't listen too much to the liberal media, okay? Any media at all, but mostly liberal where they try to downplay our country and all that. Um, we live in a great country. And you know why it's a great country. We have military that fought for freedoms. And we have law enforcement to uphold the laws that we established for the best of this country. Amen. And, and right now it's like, and, and I'm, I'm just saying it, I'm online, I know that, that our, that our criminals seem to be glorified and the police are becoming criminals in the mind of the world. And that's just not the case, okay? Because they're almost all of them good men and women who love this country, who love people, and they, they do what they do to serve people. So when you see a, an officer, boy, give him a thumbs up, okay? Make sure it's a thumb. Okay, wave out the window, we wave with all fingers. Um, I've been trying to do that a lot with our police officers in town and just let them know, man, I appreciate you. Um, because the, again, the media is trying to make it look slanted. And without the men and women in law enforcement, we would be absolutely in trouble. <laughs> just look at Chaz, who Chaz does not exist anymore. Why? Because they started shooting each other. Um, that happened in Seattle, if you didn't know that. They were gonna be like, no cops allowed. You know, like two weeks, I was like, okay, they're going to start partying it up and then they're going to get the munchies because they're smoking pot. And then I don't, my Doritos are gone. Or you have Doritos and I want your Doritos because I'm hungry. And no, you can't have my Doritos. Well, give me your Doritos. No, I want it. Boom, boom. And, and then all of a sudden it's like, okay, it doesn't work without law enforcement. It doesn't work with the world does not work without laws. You can't be lawless and we need law enforcement to protect us. And I'm so thankful for ours. So now that you know where I stand, um, um, I just, again, I love our country and uh, we have a great country as long as we put God at the beginning of our country at the end of our country, we'll be all right. So pray for our country, pray for our leaders. We're supposed to do that. Uh, pray for our law enforcement. Law enforcement is a calling of God. Okay, you go to Romans, specifically God says law enforcement is a calling. It's a calling. And it says they don't bear the sword for nothing. Okay, that says that. So just, so we all are on the same page here. And I think, most of us live in Idaho. Uh, I think you're on the same board as I am. If not, uh, you probably don't come to church here. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, so you can tell I'm a little bit passionate. I'm passionate about our flag. I always try, if I see a flag on the road, like the, in the car, you know, people have the little window ones. Um, I always try to stop and pick them up, okay? Because I was taught that that American flag does not touch the ground. Okay, I had flag duty as a kid in my little town, and they were like, don't let it touch the ground. If it touches the ground, like you will die. God will strike you down. No, it's like you got to burn the flag. So we, we cherish the flag 
took it out to our flagpole every morning at school. And and I remember holding it like fearful. I had this dread and this awe of this is the flag of the, this is our, our flag. This is sacred. It's holy. And so that's why it bothers me when people burn it or disrespect it. Okay. Just because I was taught different. I was taught right. That that stands for freedom. And we are one nation under God. Now that we got that clear, let's get into the message. Um, this is not biblical. I mean, sorry, this is not political. It's biblical. It's biblical. God, God made this country, guys. Amen. When you look at how this country came about, it was a God-ordained country. And I believe that God's not done with this yet. That's what I believe. So let's get into this. It's titled Unpuzzled. Uh, a lot of things going on in our world right now. We're going to start out in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and then we're going to go to the main story in 2 Kings chapter 5. So we'll start with the New Testament, end up in the Old. And so let me just open with what I wrote here. There's a lot of things in life that we simply don't understand. Okay? And the subtitle could be this, when life doesn't make sense. I would ask you to take some notes. Um, if you see something on the screen, like take a picture of it, just use your phone, because I, I do that when I listen to people preach. Um, here's what I'm hoping for, is that you will hear something that I didn't say. What do I mean by that? It means I, I might say a sentence and God might speak to you something as a result of that one little thing that's said, because we're all in different places in our life. And for me, I have to take notes, okay? Because I will forget, I have these great thoughts. I, my best sermons are like at 2 a.m., and I'm like, that's so good. I'm going to remember it when I wake up. And I wake up and I'm like, what was that message again? I'm kind of like you on Mondays. You're like, he was preaching good yesterday, but I can't remember what in the world that he preached on. Actually, that's me that thinks that. I'm like, what did I preach on yesterday? Because um, I'm always prepping something. So here's, I want to start it out with a question. Is there anyone in here who can look at this year and truly say, it's turning out exactly how I planned and expected is there anybody that can raise their hand going, oh, this is exactly the way I was. No, I didn't first service nobody either, right? If you would have raised your hand, I would have said you're either a prophet or a liar, all right? I don't think anybody saw the reality of 2020. We had this great idea, it's going to be great, it's going to do this, and we had all these plans, and God's up there going, <laughs> hey, Jesus, you see what he's planning? <laughs> and Jesus is like, yeah, I know. Holy Spirit's like, they don't have a clue what's about to hit them, all right? And, and 2020 started out with all these promises and you know, 2020 vision and all that, and, and I think maybe we do have 2020 vision. We know that God's in control of this whole mess, amen? It's not a mess if God's in control. It can just appear to be a mess. That's the, why I titled my message, I'm puzzled. There's some things that we just don't understand. So our reality in the world today, I wrote here, 2020 just seems to get weirder and weirder. And we're only halfway through. And it is strange. Last week, you know, we had like the record rains. And here's my suspicion. I mean, I'm expecting there to be a bad fire season because when the mountains get a lot of rain this late in the year, things grow really well. And then we can see a big heat wave. And by September, the world could be on fire. All right. I mean, I'm, just, I'm not prophesying. I'm just saying I could see this happen just naturally. Okay, because 2020 is already weird anyway. Why not? Like, what else is anybody else like? Yeah, what else is going to happen? Okay, it just it just seems to be going crazy, but it's not crazy because God's in control. And so, yet in chaos, or what we see as chaos, I believe God's plan is unfolding before our very eyes. With this, and why I'm preaching this message today, is I felt in my heart that a lot of people are dealing with discouragement. And I want to help out with that. You might be watching the news too much. Even, even good stuff, like you're, you're seeing prophecies and you're going, whoa, what can, you know, could this happen? Is the end of the world coming? Uh, we can, as humans, get discouraged. And I don't want us to be discouraged. I want us to be encouraged because that's what God would want us to do. If, if he's coming back sooner and every day is closer and closer, we need to be kind of happy about that. Right? I mean, I don't want to go through it either. I don't want the world to go into chaos. I want, I want to be on a houseboat or maybe water skiing and have Jesus just take me right there in happiness. Like, I was happy now, and I'm happy then. Wouldn't that be weird? You know, somebody's watching you ski, and all of a sudden you just go up, and you're like, is that guy parasailing? No, just rapture. No big deal. Just happened. <laughs> okay, pilotless boat, all right? Um, it's going to be weird the way it is. So there's, I want to help out with the discouragement. Um, there's more going on than we can see. And it's frustrating if you're like me, and I try not to watch too much news, but it's frustrating to hear so many different opinions and so many different changes on how we're to live. Millions are going to die. Well, not millions are going to die. Wear a mask. Well, don't wear a mask. Well, no, you should wear a mask, but only wear a mask. And we, we're getting all this information, and we're, we're just like, what are we supposed to do? Like, spacesuits? I mean, I haven't been to Boise for a couple months, honestly. And if I go, I'm going to wear my Darth Vader helmet into Costco. Just for fun, if I still have it somewhere. Okay, 
I, I see freedoms getting taken away. Okay, I, that's what I see. To me, guys, and again, I'm just going to be straight up with this. Uh, we're going to deal a little bit with our next week about standing firm in your faith. Is To me, it's not about statues. It's not about flags. It's not, to me, it's about freedoms. And that's what concerns me is, is who gets to say what's offensive anymore. And that's the thing that I'm looking at going, okay, I can understand certain things are offensive, but what if all of a sudden the cross becomes offensive? Are they going to come into the church and take it down because it offended somebody? So we're almost like this country that's, that if it offends people, we have to remove it. Um, part of being American is freedom to believe really what you want. Even if you believe the way I, I'm like, no, that's messed up. You're still an American. You still have some freedom to believe the way that you want to believe. And, and so that's what I'm looking at. And that's, again, why we need to pray for our country, pray for our leaders, because it's really, it's not about flags and statues. It's about freedoms that I see are slowly getting taken away. And as a Christian, especially as a pastor, I understand what's probably coming. I understand that when I preach the word of God and I say, hey, sexual immorality is still sexual immorality, that that could become hate speech. And that I could get arrested for. I, I know what could happen to me. But I want to tell you something. You were looking at a pastor who is not going to back down from the word of God. I am not going to not preach the word because somebody says I can. My wife's like, ah, I have life insurance, babe. We're good. Um, we're fine. All right. But you need, I just, I just want you to know that. That if you're going to follow me, you need to know who you're following. Um, and I say stupid stuff. <laughs> like I have to tell you that. Um, I say things that I get, drive home from church and I'm like, I should not have said that. That was probably bad and it was recorded. Um, but, but most of you know that my heart, I hope, is in the right place. That I want to preach the word of God in a way that just makes sense in today's world. Amen. But I want to offer you some hope today. So Paul faced some similar circumstances when he wrote this. We've been looking through Paul's life. Uh, we hit this a few weeks ago, so I want to start this out as a foundation. The message isn't a long one, just in case you're wondering. Um, and the better you amen, the quicker I preach. You know that. I've been teaching that for 22 years. Um, so if you're quiet, it just says, Pastor, keep talking. We're enjoying this. See, just that worked, all right? 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 8 through 9, Paul says this. He says, we're hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. We're perplexed, or we're puzzled, we're confused, but not in despair. In other words, I don't, I don't know what's going on in life, but I'm not in despair. I know God's got this. We're persecuted, but not abandoned. In other words, people are doing mean stuff to us, even though I'm just preaching the gospel of Jesus and loving people, but God has not abandoned me. I'm going to go through some hard things in life. I'm struck down, or I'm laying on the floor on the mat of the boxing ring, because I, I, one hit me that I didn't see coming. And I got clocked and I'm on the mat, but I'm not destroyed. I will get back up off the mat and I will continue to fight. Paul understands this. And then he bumps over to chapter 5, verse 7, and he says this, We live by faith and not sight. Okay, We live by faith and not sight. Paul went through a lot of things he didn't understand. And although he didn't understand his circumstances, he did understand the God that he served in the circumstances. How was Paul able to say, you know, a hard person never said, but not crushed, perplexed, not in despair, persecuted, not abandoned, struggled, not destroyed. We live by faith, not sight. He's saying, I, all this stuff is in front of me, but I know the God I serve. I know that God is going to get me through this. He understood the character of God, and that's what gave him peace in the midst of the storm. And I don't know what storm you're facing today. I want you to think about it. What is it that you're going through right now? I ask you this a lot. What is it that I'm going through right now that I'd rather not be going through, but I got to go through it? The question is, what are you going to do with it? Paul was at this place in his life. He was perplexed. He was puzzled. And he teaches us this principle. Just because you don't understand doesn't mean it doesn't make sense. This was my post this week, and I had some people be like, I don't, I don't get it. <laughs> I was like, think about it, all right? Just because you don't understand doesn't mean it doesn't make sense. I want you to think about Joseph, okay, the life of Joseph. You know Joseph of the Old Testament, where Joseph did all the right things, but he got put in prison for it. He got thrown in a well for it. I mean, he was like, I'm just trying to do right. And I keep having bad things happen to me. And the whole thing was God was positioning him to become a leader over the nation of Egypt and save a bunch of people, including the ones who threw him in the well and sold him as a slave, a.k.a. his brothers. God bless brothers. Amen. I love my brothers. I got great brothers. How do I know this? Okay, Because of chapter 5, verse 7. He answers, we live by faith and not sight. So I got a puzzle. I had my wife, um, I said, just pick me a puzzle. I need a puzzle for Sunday. And so wouldn't you know it, I didn't look at it till this morning. <laughs> Never send a woman to buy a man's puzzle. Um, 
she got me frozen. And I have this suspicion that a little granddaughter may have been in her mind when she was picking. She actually said this is the only one they had. But this is our illustration for today. It's the frozen puzzle. All right. And I want you to look at that. I want you to think about if you've ever seen the movie, some of the things that happened in the movie. There were things that happened that they didn't see coming. But in the end, it works out. In the end, you get put into a position where you're like, this is weird. This, I don't understand this. It's isolated. <laughs> I just got that isolated. That was terrible. Um, like I said, you got to know who you're following. <laughs> That's why you got to listen to me. And, and, and Elsa gets put in this position to where she's like by herself and all these things happen. But in the end, it works out. And that's our life. We, we get in positions that we don't understand. We go through things that we don't get. And God has the whole thing under control. So I want to use the puzzle today um, as, as a, just a, a, to paint a bigger picture of what your life is. Now, when you look at the whole puzzle, you see the whole picture. But here's what life is. Life is just one day, I call it one puzzle piece per day. But your life is like a 5,000 piece or how many ever days your puzzle would look like. And for me, I like easy puzzles because they're fast. My granddaughter will have no problem putting this one together. But if we gave her a thousand piece picture of some landscaping thing, she wouldn't really know what to do with it. And a lot of us are like that in life. It's like, God, I, I got this puzzle piece and it doesn't make any sense to me. And God says, hey, hold on. I'm not going to show you what the whole puzzle is going to look like at the end. Okay? I'm going to ask you to place your one piece per day in the right spot. And some days aren't going to make sense. Some days you can look at it and go, this blue. <laughs> See, we have the advantage as humans when we do a real puzzle to look at the whole picture, right? And that's where we try to place the puzzles. And like I tell you, I like the ones with American flags in them because those are easy. Like, okay, you get the outline, and I'm picking out, okay, there's a flag, red, white, and blue right there, baby. I know where it goes, and I'm going to hold that. I don't like the ones that are clouds. I don't like the ones that are grass because those don't make sense to me, but they do have a place to play somewhere in the puzzle. What I think a lot of us do is we look at a life like my one piece is the whole puzzle. My one day, my life's ruined because this happened one day, and God's like, no, 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 that's just one piece to the puzzle. It's just one piece. Don't make the one piece the whole puzzle. So you play your puzzle piece every day. We live by faith and not sight. And why did Paul write this? And I think the answer is here is because when you live by sight, by what's in front of you, you allow that to drive your emotions. And your emotions will always, lead, or I should say always, often lead you in the wrong direction. Now emotions, you can't trust them. Right, because they'll go all over the place. Think about the Bible, uh, the miracles in the Bible. Think about the Red Sea, for example. If you know the story where the Israelites were held in captivity for 400 years in Egypt, and and God calls Moses to lead them out, and all the plagues happen, and finally Pharaoh's like, "Okay, get out of here," and Israelites leave. Well, then they get to the Red Sea, and they look behind them, and there's the the Egyptian army coming. They got the army on one side, they got the Red Sea on the other side, and they have nowhere to go. And they're like, okay, whoa, what's happened? And Moses is like, hey, just chill. I got this. Got my staff. Okay. And what's God say? Raise your staff over the, and he raised it over the, what happened? The sea parted. Now, did it part instantly? Was it just like, boom, and paved highway? No, it was a slow process. Okay. God doesn't always do miracles quickly. So God may be doing a miracle in your life right now. And the, and the, and the sea is just parting slowly. And you're like, come on, hurry. God, God's like, I have a, I have a process. Are you willing to go through the process? And then they went through on dry land, all right? In order for you to get your miracle, okay, you often have to be in a mess, all right? Every invisible miracle starts with a visible mess. It starts with what you don't understand. It starts with something that you don't like. And you might feel trapped today. You might feel like you're the Israelites and you're like, I got the army on one side coming in. I got the sea on the other side. There is no hope. But with God, there's always hope. With God, there's always part of the puzzle you're not going to get, but it plays out into the big picture. So if anyone understood this, it was the Apostle Paul. Okay, he got harassed at every turn, and yet he kept going. Now, there's a story in the Old Testament that I love. I was reading it this week, and I thought, man, I've got to preach on this again. I've preached on it a few times before. Um, and it's, it's about a man named Naaman, and he's a good guy. He's a good guy. So 2 Kings chapter 5, I'm going to read his story here. Uh, he's a good guy that he gets a little bit emotional. All right? uh, he has a problem that only God can solve. 
But he has in his mind how God needs to do it. You ever been there? It's like, God, here's my problem. Here's how you need to fix it. Usually it starts out, God, will you fix her? This woman you gave me, this was like Adam and Eve, you know, that woman you put in here with me, it's all her fault. He's like, well, the woman, woman, what'd you do? It was, a, it was a snake's fault. We have this really good way to blame other people for our circumstances. And Naaman has this idea that, okay, this is how God needs to fix my problem. Um, and when he doesn't get the answer he likes, he kind of flips out. So let's read the story. We're going to read part of the story and then we'll finish up. Um, we're going to go 1 through 12. Um, again, it's a fun story. It says, now Naaman was commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded because through him, keyword key through him, the Lord had given a victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. Now, the leprosy in this instance was a skin disease. It wasn't the kind that ate your skin because he wouldn't be able to be around people. They had leper colonies for that type of leprosy. Uh, so we understand a few things about him. Now, bands from Aram, not rock bands, but actually just groups of renegades, bands from Aram had gone out and had taken captive a young girl from Israel. They went out and they, they just stole people. And she served Naaman's wife. And she said to her mistress, the servant girl said to, to Naaman's wife, if only my master would see the prophet who was in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. Naaman went to his master and he told him what the girl from Israel had said. Well, by all means, go, the king of Aram replied. I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman left, taking with him 10 talents of silver. That's uh, a lot. Let me see how much it is. 750 pounds of silver and about 150 pounds of gold. That's a lot. And 10 sets of Gucci, Gucci clothing. I'm just guessing. All right. It was Egyptian cotton, whatever it was, right? The letter that he took to the king, I had you at Gucci. Everybody perked up. At least all those of you like clothes. It wasn't Kirkland jeans. I'll tell you that. It was probably nice. All right. I like Kirkland jeans, but they don't make them in my size anymore. Um, I think that's, there's got to be a word for that, right? I probably shouldn't say the word that I'm thinking. Um, you know, it, it, they don't make my size anymore for the jeans. It's for people that have, let's just keep going. Um, all right. With this letter, I'm sending my servant Naaman to you so that he, you may cure him of his leprosy. Okay. What did the girl say? That there's a prophet, right? And all of a sudden the king is sending a letter saying, hey, the, the king of Israel needs to heal you. So something got lost in the communication here. And as soon as the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his robes. And he said, am I God? Can I kill and bring back to life? Why does this fellow send someone to me to be cured of his leprosy? See now, he's trying to pick a quarrel with me. When Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his robes, he sent him this message. Why have you torn your robes? Because back then, that was a sign of huge distress when they just tore their clothes. See, have that man come, come to me. And he will know that there's a prophet in Israel. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots. I got a picture, they're all riding up in this big entourage. They, horses and chariots, and they stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha, he stays in the house. He sent a messenger to say to him, go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan River and your flesh will be restored and you will be cleansed. Simple enough. But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call in the name of the Lord his God, wave his hand over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. Are not Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than any of the waters in Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? And he turned and he went off in a rage. What a story. Okay, it's not over yet. Let's go through what we've just talked about. Number one, in verse one, we learned that Naaman was a great man. Some things we know about him as a great man. He was highly regarded by his king. He was a commander of the army. He was a valiant soldier and he had a skin disease. Those are things that we know about this guy named Naaman. We don't believe that he's really serving God here. He believes in God as we'll find out a little later, but there's a lot of gods in the land. He had a problem. Now verse two and three is an important thing for us to see because you can skip over it if you don't read it slowly. We have a servant girl. I want you to think about the servant girl. Where was she taken from? She was taken from Israel, her homeland against her wishes, against her will, taken from her family, taken from her home, taken from all those dreams that she had as a young girl of maybe walking down the aisle or however they did it back then. Um, it probably was arranged marriages, which I'm kind of in favor for these days because they seem to work out better than 
emotional things, right? Who, what parents are in favor of arranged marriages? Just raise my hand. If your teenagers here, raise your hand just to freak them out. Yeah, arranged marriages aren't all such a bad thing, right? It's like, yeah, you, yeah, I think you guys are compatible. Well, her whole dreams, her whole life, it wasn't the way that she had it planned out as a little girl. All of a sudden, she finds herself by herself in a land taken against her will, and she becomes somebody's slave, somebody's servant. And now she's serving Naaman's wife. Not a very fun thing, but I want to show you something of the character of this young girl. What does she do? Did she play the victim of her circumstances? She did not. How, how do I know this? Because she chose to share information that would help the one who held her captive. Okay, She was in captivity physically, but emotionally was she was free. How do I know this? And here's what I come up with. A bitter person would not tell you where the blessing was. Had her as a servant girl, was, if she'd been mad at Naaman and the wife, she'd have been like, oh, I hope, you, I, hope, I hope your skin disease grows. I hope your toes fall off. I hope your nose falls off. I hope it goes all the way down to your toes and everywhere in between. Okay? Think about this. A bitter person would want this on the person holding them captive. But there's something with this girl that she's like, you know what? My circumstance is what it is. I am where I am. And, 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 you know, Naaman had gained some respect from her that she was willing to say, you know what? There's a guy where I was stolen from. She didn't say in the land where you took me from against my will and hold me captive. She just said, hey, in Israel, there's a prophet that, that if, if my master would go to him, he could get healed of this. Doesn't that say something about the slave girl? She's in a circumstance of not of her choosing, but she's choosing to be a blessing. And I want you to think about that. You might be in a marriage that you're not just like really happy about. You might be in a job that you're not happy. You might be going to a church that you're really not that happy about. You might have a pastor that you question sometimes, okay? And, and thank you. Uh, I was hoping for that. Because if you're not questioning me, I'm not preaching the truth, I think. And, and so she knows what her circumstances are. It can't control, but she can control herself in the circumstances. She is determined to still be a blessing to somebody else, even the one that holds her captive. And that's a weird thought for me. But she has this maturity about her and she's not bitter because a bitter person wouldn't tell anybody where the blessing was. And yet she does this. So I came up with what she must have been thinking and that's this, and maybe this applies to you. I am not going to let someone else's decision hold me captive. I am not going to let someone else's decision hold me captive. Where does that apply to your life today? It might apply to you. You'd be like, oh, wow. On the way to church here, we had, a, yeah, we had an argument. Okay, there's a reason I drive my own vehicle to church. It's true. Chris and I used to drive in the same car, like when we had kids especially, and it was not ever good because it would be like we'd have all these little fights on the way to church. And we only drove like a minute because we lived in the parsonage. Um, no, we, and there was times that I'm like, you know, we just need to take separate cars because the devil would make sure that something would happen and annoy each other, and I got to get up and speak. And that's not fair. She can sit back there and stew, and I have to get up and preach this gospel. I just love people, and everything is great. And then I got to deal with this in the back of my mind. When I get home, I'm going to get it. Right? That's not always fun. So this girl was not held captive by someone else's decision. And to me, it says a lot about her character. I'm sure she was puzzled as to why she was where she was. Because she loved God. She was a God follower, and yet she was taken against her will, put in a foreign place, serving somebody that she didn't really even know. And yet she still chose to serve God in her circumstance. How does that apply to you today? Only you really know that. So my challenge here is be determined to serve despite your circumstance. Serve whether or not you like your job or not. Do the best you can. There's a scripture that says, do everything as unto the Lord. To say, God, I don't really like my job right now, but I'm just going to serve you. I'm going to do, you gave me this job and I'm going to serve you. I'm going to do the best I can. And my boss might be a jerk. I might, may not like the, the area, but I'm going to, God, I'm going to do this for you. That's what the scripture says. So verses four through 10, Naaman's gung-ho about this. He hears, like, I can be healed. I don't have to itch anymore. I mean, there's a, there's a cure. He believes this girl. He's gung-ho about it. And he's on this journey. Here's what I think is going on in his mind because we do this. He, he's writing up the script of how it's all going to go down. 
I mean, he's in his chariot. They're, I mean, he's going, he's saying, okay, this prophet, I'm going to pull up at my entourage and he's going to be impressed because we've got all this gold and silver and these Gucci clothes. It's going to be cool. And then he's going to come out and go, whoa, Naaman's here. I heard about you, dude. You're a valiant warrior, man. You think they really fix this. Okay, okay he's going to do the Mr. Miyagi. <sighs> Tanjo's son, Naaman's son, come here. All right. I had to wake you up a little bit. And Naaman's got this idea that Miyagi is going to wave the hand, you know, and, and paint the fence. And he's going to do something over whatever it is, wherever the, the skin disease is, and then he's going to be healed. He's got this script in his mind. You ever come home from work and you've got the script in your mind, guys? See this grin on my face? Huh? You got the script? You'd be like, I'm going to drive up, and she's going to meet me at the garage door with some iced tea, and hey, baby, how's your day? Can I make your day any better? You buy, yes, you can. Uh, all right, this, this thing going on, and then you, you get up, and, and you, get, you drive home, and, and she don't open the door, and there's no iced tea. Matter of fact, she's got a look on her face. You're like, this wasn't the script. I had this script of how everything was. And then she'll start telling you about how crazy the kids were and, and all this stuff. And you're like, my script just went out the window. Now it's a horror movie. I thought it was romance. And, and now it's horror. <laughs> what happened? <laughs> you showed up. That's what happened. Just, I mean, you're right? You don't know what we're talking about. Ladies, you have this idea. He's gonna, he might come home with flowers today. And you have this in your mind. Oh, see, I just prompted. Now... If your wife just went, ooh, you better get flowers this week. Uh, yeah, I just set the table. And, and ladies, you have this idea that he's going to come home smelling good, looking good, and in a happy mood to see you because he's been away from you all day long and he hasn't been returning your text messages because he's actually working, right? You have, the, you have this script. And, and when he comes home and he's grumpy or maybe he's late or he's, you're like, whoa, bro, you know, it, I'm relating to everybody here because we do this. And Naaman is at this spot. He's got this script of how it's supposed to go down. And then when it doesn't go down the way he thinks it should go down, he gets mad. He's like, and it's okay to be emotional sometimes. It's okay to to say, I thought it was going to turn out like that, but it didn't turn out like that. But I thought it was supposed to turn out like that because it should go the way that I want it to go. Is your life going the way that you want it to go? Almost nobody can say yes perfectly. A lot of us can say, yes, yeah, you know, playing out pretty good. But not everybody can say it's playing out exactly the way. You know, I, I don't watch, you know, a baseball game when there's baseball on with the idea of, oh, my team's going to get killed tonight. You're hoping for the big hit. You're hoping for the home run. You're hoping for, you know, something to happen that your team will win. But how often does it actually play out the way that you planned? Not very often. Ladies, you got married with this idea. <laughs> oh, just stop right there. Let's keep going. Um, all right. We have this idea of what it's all going to be like. And I've never had anybody tell me marriage is easier than we thought. Not one time in 30 years of ministry, if I had a couple go, this is way easier than than I thought it was going to be. This is cake. And I've had like a week honeymoon people tell me it's great, but then reality hits. Okay. And then you have to work on relationship. So here's what I want to teach us here. Naaman's reaction in verse 11 and 12 it was one of emotion because it wasn't the way he thought it would be. And isn't it crazy how we can get caught up in the method of things instead of looking at the result of things? Method doesn't really matter sometimes. Remember I told you last week that my wife and I, we make the bed differently. She puts the pillows like this. I put the pillows like this. If you were to walk in our bedroom, you would be like, you probably couldn't tell much of a difference. And, and so I'm just glad she likes to make the bed. Who cares about the method? Sheets are clean, beds made, pillows are nice. We got lots of pillows too. 28 years into this, baby, she started adding pillows to the... It takes like five minutes to get into bed now. It's like one pillow, two pillow, three pillow, four pillow. We have like this pillow fight every night just to get to the main pillow. I mean, it's, it's intense, but it's cute. But hey, the bedroom's supposed to be a happy place. So I'm like, it looks beautiful, babes. Because if I look, ooh, why'd you do that? And ain't nothing going to happen in the bedroom that's a marriage thing, okay? But it's a, it's a good, I told you, I'm biblical, all right? Uh, it's like, we, it, I'm just glad the bed's made. 
we cleaned up this morning. We vacuumed and we cleaned up some stuff this morning, and I couldn't find the vacuum head, the power head. You know, got the hardwood all, all done, and, um, and and so I'm I'm like in the closet because I have where I put things, and, and the, the power head is not there. And then I remember seeing a power head upstairs, but we also have a whole we have the central vac, so we've got the whole thing upstairs holding downstairs. And I remember seeing the power head upstairs, and I was like, could that be? Could the downstairs power head be upstairs? No, I know. And, and I, was, I was puzzled. And I know what I'm preaching on. And I was like, I'm, I'm puzzled. And so I couldn't find it. So I walked upstairs. And sure enough, the, I'm going to mark him downstairs. Okay. And, I went, and, I, and I said, hey, babe. I said, Is, how did the power head get upstairs? And she's like, oh, I vacuumed. she vacuumed really good today. And she goes, oh, when I vacuumed the stairs, I unhooked it. And then must have left it up there. And, and I flipped out. I'm like, quit vacuuming the house. You're messing everything up. No, I was like, babe, thanks for vacuuming. It looks great. Okay. So what if the power head got left upstairs? My wife vacuumed the house. That's like my love language. You know, I'm like feeling pretty good about life. Um, I just give her the credit card whenever she does that. I'm like, here you go, babe. So every day. And because uh, hers is gifts. <laughs> like my love language is free. Yours costs, but that's a different story. And, and I was just glad that she vacuumed. But it wasn't mad. I was just puzzled. I was like, oh, there was a reason the powerhead was upstairs. There was a reason. So why do we care about the method when the results happen the, the way we like? I like the house vacuum. She did a great job. And, and it was like, cool. So you don't make a big deal of things. But oftentimes we get hung up on this method and we can almost miss the result. Does it really matter? Let me ask guys, does it really matter how Naaman gets healed? Why did he go there? He went there in his mind to get healed, but I think he wanted to see a magic show on the side. I think that's how he wanted it to happen. He's like, oh, I'm going to this magician. He's going to do this. He's going to weigh this. And, this. and he's playing it over and over how it's going to go down. And it doesn't go down. And he gets so mad about how it didn't play out the way he thought it wanted to be that he got, he like turned around and left. It's like, dude, you got emotional issues. doesn't matter how. So if we ask God to help us mature on our faith, but when we see the method, we're like, never mind. God, I just want to be a man of God. Do you? Yeah. Well, there's going to have to have some things happen in your life for you to become a man of God. Like what? Hard stuff. Yeah, I'm okay with being a boy of God. I'm, I'm okay, God. That's, that's all right. No, it's cool. I, don't, I got to go through that. No, I don't want to go through that. <laughs> right? I, I don't want to go through that. I want to have, ladies, I want to have babies, but I don't want the labor and I don't want the pain. Right? Wouldn't that be babies without pain would be better? But that's not the way it works, okay? A paycheck without work doesn't happen. Well, actually, it kind of does in some sentences, but uh, normally it shouldn't happen that way. So here's what I found is we can be so focused on the method that we miss the miracle. And that's about what happened in the story because he goes off in a rage. Why? Because he's got these unmet expectations, there's a lot, my wife and I, if you're new to us, my wife and I do a lot of marriage teaching. We, we have our, our marriage home group. We love teaching on marriage. And unmet expectations is one of the main reasons couples don't get along, is you didn't do what I thought you were going to do. And they have these ideas of what you're going to do, and you didn't do it. Now I'm mad at you because you don't care and you don't love me. And maybe they might just be clueless, because we're not mind readers. Aren't you glad we're not mind readers? <laughs> us men would be outside an awful lot if we could read your mind while we were around you we'd be like oh she's mad at me I'm going to go outside All right, I'm glad it's not like that well let's read the rest of the story go to verse 13 and I'll let you go home it says Naaman's servants and I love this because it tells something about his servants it tells something about him Naaman's servants went to him and said my father okay, it's respect here my father if the prophet had told you to do some great thing would you not have done it? Like do five cartwheels and a flip or do something like this. Okay, wouldn't you not have done it? Well, how much more than when he tells you just go wash in the river and be cleansed? Something easy. Just go to the river, dip seven times and you be. So Naaman did something here. He listened to his servants because he was approachable. Now, if you're in a position of leadership, okay, you, you can have respect without having dominance in a bad way. Naaman lived in a way that they respected him. I mean, there was some healthy fear going on. He was a commander, a valiant warrior, but he lived in such a way that he was approachable by people that were lower than him. And his servants were able to just say, hey boss, um, why don't we just try it? Okay, and, and I wrote down here, I don't want to miss this. I got ahead of my notes a little bit. 
boss says, hey, boss, can I just talk to you for a minute? Can, can we talk about this? Because here's a good man having an emotional moment. Man, I can relate to this because I know some of you all because um, I'm the epitome of stability emotionally. <laughs> if you're brand new, I'm kind of like the female in the relationship and my, my wife's like, what are you flipping out for? Because I want to flip out. I'm not quite that bad, but it, it, she would say, yeah, there's, there's moments. I usually have like one time a year where I kind of have this emotional breakdown and it's, it's usually in August, so it's getting close. Um, there's a good man having an emotional moment. He's proven to be safe and approachable by his servants. And this emotional outburst is likely a rare thing for Naaman. It's likely rare because when you have somebody who's always emotionally outbursting, you don't approach them like the servants did. You're like, dude, just leave him alone. Not even going to, if he doesn't want to be cured, that's his deal. So what I'm asking us to do in this moment is when we have our occasional emotional moments, be graceful to people, be graceful to your spouse, be graceful to your kids. When they have these emotions, we have to look at it as good people have emotional moments. We do. And give some grace for it. Give some grace for it. There's time that we need to be able to vent Okay, And we know that half of what we're saying doesn't even make sense. But we just need to be able to vent it, to be able to talk. Okay, And to say, ah! And somebody that loves you says, I know you're not really like this, but you just need to say it. I think that's what a church family is for. I think that's good friends in church families that we can just vent. And Facebook is not the place to do this. Okay, Because everybody's going to take you serious and then it could get reposted. And he just has this emotional moment. And, I, and I, he was probably an A-type personality. I mean, you got to look at his position, his leadership, valiant warrior. I mean, he's the commander. He's got to have an A-type personality. But he's got a humility to this A-type personality. Hey, boss, why don't we just try it, man? It's kind of hard anyway, right? And you need a bath. You've been on the road for three days. So let's just try this here. And we don't have anything to lose. And fortunately, this is what I love about Naaman, is Naaman humbled himself. And he took some good advice. I like this guy. I believe he's going to be in heaven. So how do I trust God when I don't understand? How do I trust God when I don't get it, when I'm puzzled? You got to trust that God sees the whole picture. Naaman was puzzled here. It wasn't going down the way he thought it was going down. And so that's what I love to use um, the illustration as a puzzle because each day is a piece. Some days are just filler pieces. Some days are really important. But God knows the whole picture. And he knows we're going to mess up some pieces. He knows that our picture isn't going to be perfect. He's the only one that knows what the picture is going to look like. Our job is to do the best we can with each piece each day, but he is making something beautiful. So what looks like chaos is becoming a masterpiece. Now, I had this plan with the puzzle to throw all the pieces up in the air on the stage, but I didn't want to spend time after church cleaning it up. Um, so I didn't do that. But I want to paint a picture in your mind. If you'd ever have done a puzzle, what you do, you take the box and you dump all the pieces out. Okay? And it looks like chaos. Now you have the opportunity to look at the picture and go, okay, this is what it's supposed to look like. It's beautiful scenery, got a flag, it's got some little, you know, the ocean and a boat, and it's got the little houses, kind of like a Thomas Kincaid looking thing. And you know, this is what it's supposed to look like. Unfortunately, when it comes to God, he doesn't show you the whole picture of your life. He doesn't say, hey, this is what your, your life's going to look like. It's going to be good. What God does is he shows you where you've been and he shows you the pieces of where you're going. And a lot of those pieces don't even make sense. You're like, yeah, it's blue. <laughs> There's a lot of blue pictures. <laughs> Just give me an American flag. Like, that's, that's the piece I want to play. I want to play the fun stuff and maybe the canon, you know, if it's a picture of revolution or, or whatever. All right. and, and, and a lot of those blue and clouds and green grass, they don't mean a whole lot. They're like, okay. But here's what, and I forgot to share this first service. All those pieces, because I felt Holy Spirit spoke to me. I think, you know, there's some pieces that are insignificant, and I kind of wrote that in. There's some pieces that are just filler pieces. And I forgot to tell first service this, so this is news to you. And here's where I felt God speak to me. And I'm careful when I say that, is but every piece that seems insignificant actually creates stability to the whole picture. And that was like a God thought, like, oh, I never thought about it like that. So the pieces that you think are insignificant actually create stability to the structure, to your whole picture of life. So I want to leave you today with just the encouragement that God knows what he's doing with you. Your job is just to play each day perfectly. Some of those days are pictures of boats. 
and you're just out fishing, you're out doing what you enjoy doing, it might be golfing or whatever it is that you like to do, that might be the picture that God says, you know what, I just want you to have fun today. <laughs> Life is not supposed to be depressing. You're supposed to have the joy of the Lord. You know, that's like the first, you know, love, joy, peace. That's the second thing. You're supposed to have love, joy. That's the fruit of the Spirit. The second fruit of the Spirit is it's joy. When is the last time you experienced joy? Well, if you spend your days on Facebook and watching the news, you probably haven't had much joy. My suggestion, shut it off. Last Friday on my day off, I just went up into the woods and cut firewood, cut down trees, and I had a good time, and I actually posted it. Sometimes, most of the time, I don't post it, but I just took a little video because I wanted to just share with you what I was feeling. And I was actually a little bit tired, but I was pretty invigorated afterwards because anytime you get to use a chainsaw, it's fun. Like, I grew up with them, but to me, just to be out and just to talk to God and just say, God, just, just talk to me today. Just out in the woods, just... Just talk to me. That's kind of my happy place. Life isn't about understanding. It's about the obeying. Your responsibility is to do your best each day. And if it's confusing and doesn't make sense, just set it aside for later and understand that it has a place. And when you obey, you will find that life will eventually make sense. Life will eventually make sense. And it might be on that side of heaven. <laughs> okay, We get this backwards a lot. We want life to makes sense first and then we'll obey but that's not how it works your kids don't need to know why you tell them what you tell them all the time they just need to do it right i mean they just you just because why because you're going to point them in the right direction they don't need to understand everything okay clean your room well why well because it's kind of a reflection of who you will become later on in life right i mean just keep things in order and i you know it's not a scripture but it should be cleanliness is next to godliness I would be like, cleanliness is godliness, not next to godliness. It is. Um, yeah. Um, but if you saw the inside of my pickup right now, you'd be like, whoa. I'd be like, I'm working. Okay. It's my work truck right now. Um, it's all right. Okay. So I'm puzzled. Okay. Because why life is a puzzle. And one day your last piece will be placed. The Bible says that David says, he says that our days are numbered. I just take it literal and I'm like, okay, God knows exactly how many days I'm on this earth. He knows my last breath. He knows my last day. And there's a day that you will put your last piece in. Okay? And I've shared this with people who have lost loved ones, that, that God knows our days are numbered. And I can't understand why people go, like most of you know my brother's going through cancer right now and, and is in chemo and, he's, and we don't understand why. I mean, he's a doctor. God has called him to be a healer of people, and yet he's the one that needs the healing, and I'm believing God for that. We don't, we don't get that. But if we can understand that, that our puzzle is a picture, is it, there's one day that our last piece will go in there, and there was no plan beyond that. I just have to believe that. That God, okay, my last day, my last breath, that was my last puzzle piece. So I can't spend my time going, what, what happens, you know, if they would have lived another year? I, and I think in God's eternity there wasn't another year that was that last day and that was their puzzle their puzzle was complete and to put that last piece in and i want to i want to buy a good puzzle that i like and put it all together except for one piece and at my funeral have somebody put that last piece in there and says his puzzle is complete that's probably going to be american flag big one right that's the piece right there and would that be cool to have that puzzle like hang it up on your wall in your office because it would it would make you think about you know what one day it's my last day. What am I doing with the pieces now? What am I doing every day? Am I making a difference in somebody's life? And that's really what God wants us to do. And so I want to leave you with, with some encouragement that, yeah, things may be going on crazy in the world, but I don't want you to hide and freak out and just wait till Jesus comes back. Get out and do something for God. Do something for God. One of the godliest things you can do is go fishing. Just go to the lake and say, God, thank you for fish that bite Thank you for the fact that I can be out here and enjoy what you created. Whatever it is that you enjoy doing, you do it for the glory of God, but don't live life in a bunker. So my encouragement to you is, is just, man, live life. Just keep going. Don't freak out. God's got this. He does. He does. And you don't have to be afraid. It's also confused. This is my last sentence. It's like this long, but it's the last sentence. It's also okay to be confused at times. Give yourself some slack. God must be doing something that I can't see and it's got to be good because he is good. That's his character. There's more going on than what you're seeing. Amen? He's in control, guys. He is. He's in control. And I'm so thankful that I'm a Christian. 
was so thankful I'm a Christian. I had a, my tea bag fell out of my Bible. Some of you know I keep a tea bag in my Bible. And what, it, what that means to me is, is the more the tea bag stays in water, the darker it gets. Okay, the more it gets of the tea. And I want God's word to get into my heart every day that it just soaks. It becomes rich in me. I don't want to be like this weak tea Christian where, whoa, whoa, it's almost like water, like from LA. It's a tiny bit brown. Is that tea? No. Uh, you know, and, and I want God's word to dwell in me richly so that I know it and I can live it. Amen. I want to close with this because I'm still, I'm still doing pretty good for time. But if you bow your heads with me today, the most important decision you can make is to serve Jesus. That is the most important thing. And I would hate for you to leave this place not following God. I will tell you guys, the, the things are happening in this world that I believe are end times. Okay. But our last breath could be breathed tomorrow before the end times things happen. We, we just don't know. We're not guaranteed our next breath. The Bible is very clear that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. There is no way to heaven except through him. That God loved us enough to send his son to die for us. He knew that we sinned and there's nothing we can do to get rid of our own sins besides accept him as our savior. And if you've never done that, okay, if you've never accepted Jesus as your savior, the Bible says if you die in that state, then you will spend eternity in hell for your own sins. But God loved us enough that he sent his son to die for those sins. If we'll just simply accept him, accept his forgiveness, then we get to spend eternity in heaven. So if you've never made that decision and it's a decision you would like to make today, I would love to pray with you. I'm not going to point you out. I'm not going to embarrass you, but I do want to know who you are. And that would be just by simply just raising your hand up and say, Pastor, that's me. I need to give my life to Jesus. And I'm not asking you to join, okay, a church or a religion. Is there anybody else? I missed the hand that went up. Okay. All right. Here's what we do, church, as a family. If you're new to us, we pray together as a family to support those who have made this commitment to accept Christ. So if you would just repeat after me, dear Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart. Be my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm proud of you for those of you prayed that for the first time. Amen. And as a family, what do we do? We welcome them in. Like, that's a great thing. Amen. 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 Well, I hope you enjoyed today. And we're going to close with a song. But I hope this helped you. Okay. Um, You know, your life may turn out like Elsa. Who knows? (laughs) Just cold and miserable and lonely. Um, I hope not. But... Anyhow, just you need to know that, that, that there's a God that is for you. Amen. Well, let's stand and let's close.